Hey, Chillinois, it's Justine, and I am here with Jill from Willow Industries. Hello, Jill. Hey. Awesome. So tell us about Willow Industries. I know you and I were recently supposed to be on a women in cannabis panel together, and unfortunately, you did not get your time to shine. So I want to sure that our listeners at least know who you are and what you're about. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Excited to be chatting with you. Uh, I am the CEO and founder of Willow Industries. And what Willow Industries is, is we've developed a kill step for cannabis. So basically, we clean cannabis. We develop the technology to get rid of microbials on finished flour. And so microbials consist of yeast, mold, bacteria, and then there's pathogens, E. coli, salmonella, listeria. And so our proprietary systems, the Willow Pure, gets rid of contaminants on cannabis, making sure that cultivators can sell their intended harvest and that there's a solution for this. But most importantly, it's for consumer safety. Yeah, absolutely. And we definitely appreciate that. We've been having a lot of conversations lately about, um, you know, lab testing and how to remove microbials and that kind of thing. So it's really timely that you are able to come on to our show so we can talk some more about this. Um, but what got you into this to begin with? Of course. So I'm a entrepreneur at heart. And I've owned a few different companies. I owned a cold press juice business in California and Colorado, and I own a beverage distribution company here in Colorado. And I sold both of those companies and then was looking for my next opportunity and my next business. And at the time, this was about five and a half years ago when Colorado had just started implementing total yeast and mold testing. And a buddy of mine called me who's a cultivator and was like, listen, we have to now test for mold and yeast. He's like, I don't even know what this is. I don't even know where it comes from. And, you know, what did you do with your juices? Like, how did you get rid of this stuff in your juices? And so I really very much had this light bulb moment and was like, oh my gosh, I need to find a way to clean weed. And so that's exactly what we have done here at Willow, but it really took looking at the industry at such an early stage and seeing that a lot of the regulations and requirements I was subjected to owning a direct to consumer product, those really weren't in cannabis yet. And so I found that there was a really big need. And so we, we doubled down and, and invented Willow. Nice. That's awesome. Um, so have you, I mean, I'm sure that you are seeing really good results from this and have you found that it uh, prevents more, I guess, harsh chemical removal processes like irradiation? Yes. Irradiation is becoming a thing in the industry, but let's be honest, healthy plants don't need irradiation. So if you are taking care of your cultivation and you have good estimates, SOPs within your supply chain, there's no need for a harsh treatment like irradiation. We are out there pounding the pavement and trying to get cultivators to understand that's unnecessary. That if you take care of your plants and you have good grow practices, that utilizing willow and utilizing something a little more gentle and organic like ozone, that that is 
very, very effective. And so, yeah, I mean, we, <laughs> I like hate to hear when cultivators use irradiation because I think it is absolutely, and I'm sure you feel the same way that it's absolutely way too an aggressive treatment for this plant. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's something that we just recently learned about within the last couple of months from working with different um, lab technicians and labs here in Illinois. And when we heard about it, we were like, irradiation, what is that? And they're like, oh, it's basically they run it, they run the flower through like an x-ray machine and it kills all the things in it. And I was like, there has to be a more organic way. That sounds terrifying. I know. And so how did you hear about that? I mean, so the lab techs were on your show and they were telling you about what they're seeing or how did that come up? It was, um, we were actually doing a lab visit and it was kind of given to us as like under the table information of like, hey, if you haven't heard about this already, this is something that cultivators here in Illinois are doing. And so we have really dug into that and tried to find as many people as we can that know about, um, you know, removing these microbials and all of the like mold and everything that's in the plant and trying to figure out, you know, why irradiation came around and if there is a way around it, which it sounds like there very much is, especially with Willow Industries. Um, so I'm kind of curious, is this something that like you put it in the water when you're doing a flush or do you spray it on the plant? I know you said ozone. Yeah. So we developed these proprietary systems that utilize ozone in a gaseous form. So you actually put in cured dried trim flour. And it's essentially the same type of product that you'd put into an irradiation machine. So it'll be the last step in your process before it goes to testing and then also before it goes to a dispensary. So you put it in our systems, it pulls in oxygen, it converts that to ozone through an electrical charge. It floods the system with ozone and that kills all of the mold, the yeast, the bacteria on the flower, and then it reverts it right back to oxygen. So it's O2 in, O2 out, no byproducts, it's non-toxic. And most importantly, it is not a radiation. And, you know, to your point, Justine, like it's been really interesting to see the adoption of irradiation by some of these companies in the industry. And really it is just a cover up for bad growing practices because yes, it'll nuke the product and it will get rid of some of these very systemic endophytic issues. But the fact of the matter is, like you don't have healthy plants. And so really they should not be, you know, being um, mass produced and, and being irradiated. And what we're starting to see across the country is, and, and Nevada may be the first domino to fall, is requiring cultivators to label their product that it has been irradiated, that is required in food, and it should be required in cannabis. I mean, I think you and all of your listeners would want to know if their product is irradiated. Absolutely. I mean, since we've been having these conversations, we're definitely like checking our food labels and trying to find out what other products go through this process that we consume on like a daily basis um, so that we can try to avoid them because we don't want it. I mean, it's I would be hard pressed to find a home grower who has to use irradiation for their plants to come out clean. So I 100 percent agree with you that it's just you know, it's, it's a practice for people who are not growing good product. And if there was something on the label that would make more informed consumers, and then, you know, we could 
as medical patients or as recreational users, you can lobby for what you actually want and kind of push that practice out. Um, so it sounds like your product is available in multiple states, or are you just in Colorado for right now? We are in 22 states. And we are in Illinois. So we do work with cultivators in the States, the ones that have not and specifically do not want to adopt a radiation like some of their competitors. Yeah. Um, but yes, so we're in 22 States in the U S we are also in Canada and we have a willow pure processing facility, which is essentially toll processing in California. So that allows us to bring in contaminated flour. We clean it on site and then we send it back to the cultivator, but mostly our customers lease our products across the country. Nice. That's awesome. I'm so glad that you're doing that. Um, cause that's not something that I've heard, like any cultivators that we've talked to or, you know, labs that we've talked to, it doesn't sound like what you're doing is common. And I think that, you know, a practice like using ozone to safely decontaminate flour should be kind of standard across the board. I mean, this is, if we're truly fighting for an all organic plant that is medicine, we shouldn't want all these extra things. I mean, that's already what big pharma is doing to your medications that your doctor is prescribing. So I am like totally on board with your mission. I think you guys are doing something incredible. Thank you. Thank you. And I, I have been champion for this for the past five years. And in the beginning, I mean, we were really early. I mean, we actually invented this category. And so we're very early. I mean, cultivators didn't want to talk about this. Contamination was taboo. But now it's so common that there needs to be a solution. And so we... We've really seen some massive growth in the past couple of years, but it was really hard to get here. And we had to invent this category. And again, cultivators are like, listen, I've been smoking weed. I've been growing weed for years. I've never gotten sick. It's no big deal. I'm like, listen, state regulations are going to be really tough. And if you don't have a solution to pass state testing, I mean, you cannot scale and be a true operator. Yeah, absolutely. Have you had experience with like um, cultivators that you have gone to and presented your product to that they've been like, eh, we don't need this. And then, you know, a couple months later, they're like, hey, we're not passing testing anymore. Can we please use your product? Oh my gosh, all the time. <laughs> I mean, the tail between the legs thing is a real, real issue. Yeah. yeah. I mean, a lot of people like, uh, we don't have contamination. There's, we've never failed to test. We've never failed to test. Everything's great. But what's interesting is we see that as the months progress, as the year progresses, and they're going through different seasons and seasonality comes through and different microbes are present at different times of the year, that's when they'll start to fail. But it's also kind of buildup of contamination in the cultivation over a month, over the months and years. Uh, and then that's when they, they really need our help. But yeah, I mean, we hear all the time, we don't need you. We don't need you. Right. <laughs> have you found that, um, have you noticed a trend with more contamination in indoor grows versus outdoor grows? It's different. So yes, we, we definitely see, and we work with, I would say majority 
majority of indoor growers. Outdoor growers, it's it's really challenging because you know cannabis being a bioaccumulator, you're going to see higher levels of contamination, um, and so outdoor growers, it's challenging for us to work with because a lot of that could be endophytic, but um, we see very very high levels of contamination in indoor groves as well. Yeah, I can imagine people bring things in on their clothes and they yeah. put on their hazmat suits or whatever because it's I see pictures of cultivation facilities all the time and it seems like the employees are just in their jeans and t-shirt. They just maybe have a mask on, maybe a hairnet and I'm like what did you pet your dog? Like <laughs> are you holding your pets before you came in there and now I'm going to have pet hair which I honestly, I can't complain about. We've got two cats. Cat hair is everywhere. We home grow. Like, <laughs> I know that sometimes there's going to be a little pet hair, but if I buy it from a dispensary, I don't want to see that. That's not what you want to see in a jar. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, PPE is a new thing in cannabis. And I think COVID taught us a lot about the, the need for PPE. But I've been in grows where there have been dogs running around, where trimmers are eating Cheetos, but also trimming the flower, instant contamination there. I see, yeah, exactly to your point. We see cultivators walking around in shirts and t-shirts and flip-flops. And I'm like, this is not a sterile environment. You have to try to emulate a sterile environment as possible, especially as scaling continues, you know, as you scale as a cultivator, like you have to think about these things. And I think that's one of the biggest learning curves this industry has faced is we actually have to get very serious about cross-contamination. Yeah, absolutely. And so I know that kind of your experience with doing the cold press juices is what more or less brought you into this. Um, have you seen any other parallels between um, working with more like the food industry and the cannabis industry? I think the parallels are starting to come about, uh, but it's taking a while. I mean, I was subjected to having HACCP plans and critical control points and ensuring that I did all of these validation studies to prove that my juices were safe on a grocery store shelf for X amount of time. And so we're starting to slowly see this in cannabis, whether it's a shelf life study or a validation study, which again, isn't common simply because this flower typically doesn't sit on the shelf like a can of green beans does for six months to a year. So we, we really haven't had that opportunity, but I think we're starting to see companies really look at, is this a high quality product? Is it going to maintain its value on the shelf for X amount of time? And that's really what we're trying to do here at Willow. We have we just finished this huge shelf life study that shows that putting your flower through our Willow Pure before it goes into the dispensary actually extends the shelf life and extends the efficacy properties. Nice. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. I mean, of course you don't you don't want your cannabis sitting on the shelf for months and months before it's sold to you. But if you can get, you know, if it's the difference between you bring your eighth home after it's been there for three weeks and you open it and you're like, what the hell is this? After three weeks being like, wow, was this just picked? Like, this is amazing. That's a great point. I mean, it could have been sat on the shelf for a couple of weeks 
products and then you bring it home and it's like, how long does it actually take you to consume it? And so you want to ensure that one, there's no microbial growth happening. Um, but two, that that shelf life is extended and it's still a high quality product two months in while it sits in you know your home. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and one thing I did want to ask about kind of off of the subject of this is just more or less, what has your experience been with being a woman entrepreneur in this industry? It's been challenging. Yeah. <laughs> it's been very challenging. Of course, we all know cannabis is heavily male dominated and being a woman, especially on the tech hardware side is few and far between. There are not many of us. So I would say early on, it was, it was, it was kind of easy because growers would be like, why is this chick calling me about a decontamination tech that I've never heard about? Okay. I'll take her call. I may have had a leg up there, but as you know, as the industry has progressed, I've had to work twice as hard, three times as hard, 10 times as hard as my male counterparts to gain, um, to gain validation and to gain trust and legitimacy. And so that's, I think that's challenging for women across the board. And also I've raised venture capital money and doing that as a woman and constantly talking to male in investors is, is hard. It's challenging. And, and they, you know, women have a hard time raising money as it is. So I've really had to go through a huge learning curve and, and develop a very strong set of skills to stay resilient and persevere. Yeah, absolutely. What would you say is maybe like one of the most valuable skills that you have developed? I would say, I would say that I have learned to persevere. I think that's been something that I've never really had to face. But the fact of the matter is I'm still here. This company is still here and thriving after five and a half years in this industry. And I think that says a lot about who I am and who we are as a company. We have never given up. Even when no one wanted to talk to us, even when no one cared about decontamination, I always believed there was a need for this type of technology in the industry. And believe me, there are plenty of times in this life cycle that I just like, it doesn't matter. The industry doesn't care. Let's just throw in the towel. And it was early on that, yeah, I would have lost some money, but I would have just, you know, had a lot less stress. Uh, but I didn't give up because I know, and I, I knew that there was, there's a really huge need for this. And so I just keep, keep on keeping on. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I'm, I'm certainly glad that you have, because it's, like, again, what you're bringing to this industry is something that, especially here in my state of Illinois, we are lacking. Um, you know, our our testing thresholds for different things are very low. Very low. But, Illinois is very strict. Yes, very strict. But, you know, as we know, there are ways to get around it that are not necessarily the best. So um, I would love it if there was more transparency about how people are removing these microbes and, um, you know, mold, yeast, all of that. And I would love it if even on like the, the cannabis labels, it shows, I mean, it shows what lab that's tested at, but if we, they were required to list out what they did, you know, anything that has gone into that plant, I would love to only buy anything off the shelf that says Willow Industries. <laughs> 
Well, I love that. And one thing that we are doing and we were just about to launch is our Willow Pure Assured program. And I've always believed that Willow Pure could stand for a very similar um, requirement such as organic and non-GMO. I mean, you go to the grocery store, you look for organic food, if that's what you like, non-GMO, you're looking for those high quality products. We want our cultivators to put the Willow Pure symbol on the flowers so that consumers like yourself know that they're buying a high quality, clean, compliant product. And it's funny, the irradiation companies are lobbying to prevent this from happening. And here we are trying to be as transparent as possible because a consumer needs to know. Yeah. It's amazing how much the, uh, the big license holders and the, the big money makers try to fight against anything that could benefit the patients and benefit the consumer like home grow and um like you said lobbying against like organic testing or you know whatever and it's really disheartening but i am glad that you are still making a place for yourself in this industry and i hope to see you guys really take off because i would love it if your your tactics for removing these microbes becomes the standard, you know, the industry standard. I think that's how it should be across the board is that this is an organic medicine and it should be as organic and pure as absolutely possible. Agreed. And thank you. We work very hard here with our team and sales and marketing and um, really innovating and putting out really great equipment so that cultivators have a good answer and that they aren't relegated to just implementing a radiation because that's easy, right. that they care about their plants, that they care about their supply chain, and that a process like this at the end is essentially a cherry on top. Yeah. You know, it's not just like a huge cover up. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I really appreciate your time. I definitely want you to come back on sometime, um, especially at a time when I've got my co-host Cole available, because um, I'm sure he would love to pick your brain about what you guys do and all of your practices and kind of some of the things you've seen in the industry. Absolutely. I would be happy to come on. You are very well versed in this side of the industry, which is rare. So I really appreciate the conversation. Yeah, for sure. Anytime.